0: Welcome to Ramble City. Uh, So it is 10.30 Australian time and then far across... PM, PM, 10.30 PM as opposed to... I'm I'm uh, asleep
1: by like 9.30 PM my time. Oh really? (laughs) Usually, yeah. I'm 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 an early sleeper.
0: And so, all the way across the sea, you are in New York City?
1: Yeah, I'm in Astoria.
0: Astoria. I've yeah. stayed in Astoria.
1: Oh, it's so nice. We love, it. we love it.
0: Hello and welcome. Wow, that was big. That was very big. Should I start that again? No, we're going to push ahead. Welcome to our very first classic episode. Geez, I'm excited. We're going to dig into the story and the artist and the music of a classic album or film and um, today this, this chat was a lot of fun because I'd never actually heard of this album before or the artist I'm slightly embarrassed to say because the album in question is Mac Miller's Circles and some of you will probably know Mac Miller is a Grammy-nominated hip-hop artist whose difficult career spanned multiple styles or, or iterations. And in this chat, we focus on his career, his battle with celebrity, um, his superstar album producer-slash-film composer John Bryan. But before I introduce the guests that selected this record, just a quick disclaimer, okay? I, I, I didn't know Mac personally, right? I'm sure you're surprised to hear that. I never got to speak with him personally before he passed away. So everything I say here or that I suggest is a result of my research. And look, Mac Miller's story is so interesting and saddening and and also inspiring. Or maybe motivating is a better way of framing it. But every classic album is somebody's choice. You know, Someone believes in it so much that they have to chat with a music-loving Aussie. And today's choice, Drumroll, comes via someone Playboy magazine called one of the contemporary musical theatre writers you should know. And you should know him. He's very clever. He's talented. He's hardworking. He loves and knows music. And he's been selected by some very prestigious awards. The Dramatist Guilds Award, ASIC Workshop, the Johnny Mercer Songwriters Project, among others. He was the recipient of the Lucille and Jack Yellen Award for Lyricists. Now, I don't know what that is, but it sounds very cool. His latest cast recording, Discount Ghost Stories Colorado, features some legit Broadway stars. But we kick off the chat on a lighter note, discussing international time zones, and we wonder what tourists find more frightening, guns in America, or deadly animals down under. This is Alexander sage Owen and his selection, Mac Miller's Circles. Welcome to Ramble City.
1: Well, I've seen a video of flying spiders like descending yeah. down, and that I mean, I'm Australia is one of the places that I want to go desperately, you know. I'm really excited, but it is a little terrifying, it's a little scary.
0: You have guns,
1: we have, we guns. have spiders. <laughs> I mean, maybe we need to have the guns to protect from the spiders, <laughs> yeah. maybe that's why we don't have the spiders anymore.
0: I think this is uh this is a thing. But okay, so we're here it's ten thirty.
1: It's now eleven thirty PM
0: in Australia. It's now midday in New York. And uh and, yeah. and we're here to 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 unpack a classic album. Um, yeah. a new went, classic album. A new classic album, right? And it's I remember when I when I reached out to you with the idea, this is still a new idea, and uh I didn't have any concept of what a classic would mean. And your suggestion that came back was, of oh, course... Mac,
1: Mac Miller's Circles. Mac Miller's Circles. Which came and, out last year.
0: <laughs> and and I was surprised how how soon it was, to be honest, because yeah. I knew nothing about this album. Nothing at all. Like, I was totally blank on it. And that's because, you know, I, I live in this, like my granddad's truck with 1970s music blasting all the time. And I should have a mustache and big hair and flares and stuff. I, I just love I love the time, but...
1: Me too. I love the 70s. Incredible music. I mean Fleetwood Mac, you've got like all that good stuff, you know. There's there's a lot of really incredible music from the 70s. But
0: this album you brought to my attention this idea of what is a classic and it really kind of played with my mind a bit. It played with my preconceptions of what I thought a classic was or what it meant to be a classic. So What is a classic album to you? If you had to summarize or or give an explanation, what is a classic album?
1: Um, So to me, a classic album, I I actually, I had started writing something down the other day about like trying to have a definition. But the, the the thing is that so many different albums to me of genres and all things are classics to me, to me, a classic album is one of those albums that I can dissect and, and take apart and, and live with and breathe with. Um, Mm and revisit um and and it's something that i can get something from every time honestly like a like a great sondheim show or like a an amazing book that i that from my childhood that that instilled in me something back then that now means something completely different to me
0: so if you haven't listened if you're listening to this and you haven't listened to mac miller's uh, circles uh, uh we we really think that you should probably just push pause go and listen then come back because who knows how deep we're going to get into to to things i know there's so much to talk about whether it's yeah. around his career the timing of this record yeah. there's so much to get into so if you're like me and you'd never heard of, of i've I'm, I'm sure i've heard of mac like i'm sure before you mentioned this record yeah. i'm sure i knew of him but it just hadn't penetrated the way it has since i've spent the last 7 days just like digging into this fascinating Life and and career of, of of Mac Miller.
1: Did you go further than circles? Even did you did you check out oh, any yeah. of the? Yeah, so swimming I watched documentaries. And, yeah. I watched live NPR performances. I, yeah, the, I mean, the tiny desk performance yeah. is is just a remarkable little little set. And um, it's interesting to to note that the first big song of Max that people knew him for was a song called Donald Trump, which uh, was. Not really taking aim at Donald Trump, but then it became something where he took aim at Donald Trump, and he uh, became uh, he 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 was an interesting guy and had a lot of different uh, nuanced thoughts. So it was it was so, interesting.
0: So before we get into his his work and his songs and the album, let's set the table for anyone that ignored our suggestion to go and the listen record, to the record and is yeah, yeah, yeah. pushing through. So so how would you summarize Mac? Um, just in a brief kind of kind of way, I've got some sort of highlights here that I can hit after, but how would you how would you describe him? even to anyone that doesn't know like me that I didn't know he was a rapper,
1: you know? Yeah. Um, I, I would say that he's he's a hip hop artist. Um, he was a uh, an incredible, <laughs> incredible creator and songwriter. Uh, what a lot of people, I think one of the interesting things about him is that he was more than just a rapper even. He played all of his own instruments, not saying that rappers are not musicians or not uh, capable of so much, but he also was very invested in what the chordal structures of his songs were in in where the melodies would go. He was a writer for all intents and purposes. He was composing what these albums were um, and working very closely with with producers and, and other musicians and, and really collaborating in a beautiful way.
0: And so he released, you know, six albums publicly. Yeah. We know from what we've heard of from interviews and and from certain things that there is a whole back catalogue of stuff that he recorded for himself or as part of what he thought his creative process was. But, yeah. you know, he signed independent in 2010 at the age of 16. He began his career in party rap, which, for anyone that doesn't know, is like bass-driven, uh, block rock and kind of hip hop. That's just like all about groove and
1: and as it sounds, as uh, party, having and a good time, yeah, like Asher Roth kind of. I love college, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that kind right. of stuff.
0: And he was, and people people really dug it, and people loved him. He had fans, but it took a while to kind of garner critical respect is what I've gauged in the last seven days and he was very he's very public about that even though according to uh, an interview I can't remember where I heard it but he made his first million dollars by the time he was 21
1: yeah I mean well I what mean, an
0: insane life
1: yeah incredible um if you look back his first so he released a bunch of mixtapes uh they, I think they were called Kids. Was was really fun. Kicking incredibly dope shit is what it was called. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, then Best Day Ever was a really fun one. And those are all kind of the party party rap. And then he hit his his first his first release of a record proper because those were technically mixtapes. Um, his yep. first record proper um, was critically panned. Um, it was called Blue Slide Park and it it was it was notorious for getting a 1.0 on pitchfork. Well, um and, and that's he came to golf yeah. That's bad, right? No, that's very bad. That's very yeah. bad. I will say that record is awesome. It slaps. Like if you if you can get into what Mac does, that record is great and it, it has its haters, but I think that's an amazing album. Um but it it's been yeah.
0: widely more applauded though since hasn't it like when it came yeah. out it was panned but a lot of people that i heard over the last seven days that i was kind of digging into this and went way deeper than i expected as i sort of said so many people spoke about it as it was a real point in their minds that mac was the real thing and it yeah. just seemed to you know to me opens up this whole other other conversation about you know how do we qualify uh, an artist respect in the world and all that sort of stuff, which is kind of a bit flighty and wanky, and probably not for this part of the conversation. But it, in 2014, he signed with Warner, and yeah. there's this whole other backstory about why he has expressed that he did that. Uh, but before we get into that, this kind of this picture kind of sets this backdrop for circles, I guess. Um, yeah an album that was released in 2000, as you said, two years after his death in 2018.
1: Yeah. It, 2020.
0: Yeah. I mean, this is an incredible story and we've haven't even hit so many things. Yeah. It's, I was amazed. I, I, honestly, I'm,
1: I'm, I'm talking like Jerry
0: Seinfeld. I'm amazed. Jerry. <laughs> you know,
1: it's, I mean, he had a really incredible, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't even that fast of an artistic evolution, but he really did evolve. You can track through his, Different phases of what he was doing, and it was really yeah. incredible because his art—he he was an artist. He was create, he was crafting narratives and and playing characters. And you know, I think it was a yeah, it's really incredible to to watch the tapestry unfold. And once he signs with Warner, I think Good Am is that first record That's right. from yep. Warner, that- and it you can tell that there's a shift in kind of how he's creating things, maybe. Um, I remember there was an, an interview that he was giving because uh, I also I did that deep dive. Uh, I've done all those interviews and like, but on one of the of one of those interviews that he um, gave, he said that he had been playing with mixtapes and he had made three or four different albums and submitted them to Warner and they almost went with one of them. But then at the last minute he said, no, nah, I want to do something completely new. Like what an incredible artistic drive! Warner was willing to put out this album, and he said, "No, I want to. I want to make a completely new artistic stamp." He he was he was really a craftsman.
0: And then there's that story that says then even prior to swimming, which was the record before circles. Yeah. If for, for no one that knows. Apparently before was it that, was it that album or there was there was another nine albums that he didn't put out that he just did yeah. for himself. He disappeared. Maybe maybe it wasn't swimming, it was another sort of period. As I said, it's only been seven days for me. But once again, this is um this is an amazing output of of of, of creativity. Yeah. When did you find his music? When did it come into
1: your life? So I I feel very uh uh, I'm sad to say that I actually learned about his music right around the time that he passed. That was yeah. kind of I was shocked because I had heard his name. I think that's I think that's important to say is that like I'd obviously heard his music and heard of him. I had heard parts of things and honestly songs like Donald Trump kind of turned me off to the idea of getting into what he was doing because I it confuses you, I think, sometimes when you listen to songs like that and think, oh, that's an artist, that's what they do. And they haven't either put out what their real artist manifesto is or they're still evolving into what they want to be. And so I kind of shut off to, to that vibe. I was not a big fan of party rap originally. Yeah. And then uh, and then he passed away and I I heard Swimming and swimming changed my perspective on who he was as an artist and what he could do. And I think that album as well could be considered a classic album. Uh, I think that there's and and it's a remarkable album because he really did see that one through. Um, He he died a month after it came out, uh, which is a tragedy that we didn't get to see him tour that material it's a tragedy we don't get to see him tour circles as well yeah. um because yeah but anyway uh i got into that album and then i i backtracked and i i said okay i don't love the donald trump song but let's <laughs> let's go back to the beginning and see what we can as as hillary duff once said let's go back back to the beginning um all roads get, lead
0: through hillary duff
1: oh all, all roads yeah wise prophet that one yeah um but uh, his stuff is nuanced. It's really incredible to go back and hear some of the things that he was saying, and even even to note that the music does evolve. His his ideas evolve, and it's he was sixteen when he started. He was seventeen when he started. You know, it's it's really remarkable how much the music evolved, how quickly the music evolved. You know,
0: so the idea that these swimming and circles which we're talking about today that they were intended as a companion yeah you know, as a as a duo and then the was, idea that perhaps there was a trilogy yeah, yeah with a with a, with to be a three. true hip hop record at the end did you when you first listened did you pick up on that at all like did you did that come through to you on first listen
1: you know it didn't and it's not because you know it's because it actually
0: Yeah, It didn't for me either. And for me it was because, not not to catch up, but for me it was because I was actually clouded by his story on first listen. Like I really, because I'd found it, I researched him before I really listened to a lot of the album. And then all I could sort of hear was maybe some of his struggles as they seemed to me or from what I'd heard. And that's all I could see in the record. And then as I dug deeper, it became sort of, it revealed itself a little more to me. So that, that was my experience with that theme.
1: Yeah, there were there were there are definitely things there are definitely uh, things that point to uh, relation and and those kinds of things. And I I feel that, you know, it's interesting. I think it's important also to say how how deeply sad circles is as an album versus Mm -hmm. even swimming swimming, I would say. and, And there's a lot of hope in the lyrics, but there's something else that hangs over what circles is and it's 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 something i I would say that has to do with john bryan the producer uh being this kind of all-knowing being and coming in and overseeing this production to make it feel as perfect and beautiful as possible and that makes it even more heartbreaking almost um but we'll uh, talk about
0: him in in more detail later because i'm a brian head myself oh my god
1: Truly one of the best producers of all time. Insane. Of all time. And one of the best composers of all time and songwriters. He's really remarkable. Yeah. It's
0: a classic on a classic. It's a classic sandwich, I guess. Yeah, it really there's, is. The, there's so many little clues, as you said, to kind of this this companionship of these albums and with circles, you know, being its own circle. To yeah. me, what really drew me in, and maybe it's the 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 musical theatre affection and, and the love of that form there's a real sense of theatricality in that opening song to me. Oh, yeah.
1: You know, it's kind of like the, the
0: orator comes, yeah, it comes out and bum, he's sort of like,
1: bum, yeah, da bum. But it literally to me is Gershwin in the best way. It feels like modern day, what could you do with those ideas that that Gershwin was setting forward back? Yeah, I think it's literally... Some of the best writing <laughs> ever. I don't know about
0: you too, but that for those first opening, you know, we're doing clicks now, but those first those the 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 sound of that that opening track circles. Yeah, it it immediately for me, and this is really silly, but I thought of two songs in, instinctively. Just the palette of whatever was going on, the textures or whatever. I thought of Lola, and when you uh-huh. listen to it again, I swear to God, there's like this little. It's not that rhythm, but you, you could almost like hear the rhythm in there. I don't know why I heard Lola, but I heard I like it. this little bit of Lola. I love it. And then and then I think it was like I just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in. I have no idea why. All but, right. Or maybe it I was, love it. Yeah, it was insane. I kept listening to that opening, being like, what am I hearing here? And it's it's neither of
1: those. No, neither of them at all. But but you know, in talking about a classic album, right? There is something epic about the songwriting in this record in Mm. in the fact that it does all feel that it's timeless. It's classic in the way that those kinds of songs also feel that way, right? It's yeah, it speaks to the kind of universality of what he's going for on this record. And that's different than other things he went for on other records. do you so, think yeah.
0: that the the subject matter on this record? He, I heard a couple of people refer to it that he was less posturing, I guess, as he went further his career, which was a big part of I guess party rap and mm-hmm. um and kind of this uh, wrestler persona. Bit, yeah. yeah, yeah. he called yeah. it a wrestling persona in a lot of interviews. I heard like he would turn into this wrestling character, which is yeah. a, an amazing comparison to make to kind of you know, a rock and roller.
1: absolutely. Absolutely. The I mean, thing. You, you, yeah. I, they, you kind of end up being that way as a rock star or a rapper. Or, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, and not that I'm going to claim to know everything about the hip hop world or anything about the <laughs> hip hop world or the rap oh, world. Oh, I am. I yeah, am. yeah, for sure. You know, because I in. listened
0: to, to, to Warren G in the 90s.
1: I must know everything. <laughs> oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> but there is a lot of fighting and a lot of um a lot of you know people who have to struggle to to get by and and you know there's a lot of uh crazy stuff that happens in that world and and there is kind of this this wrestling kind of metaphor in there for sure i think
0: yeah i guess i guess what i heard it to be and that's a really good distinction to make so it doesn't cuz i think what i took it to mean was I related to it in an art, in, as an artist that takes on a persona to mm. feel bigger than themselves. So yeah. I, I wasn't necessarily um, thinking of it too in terms of any particular genre, really. Now that I think about it, as you sort of you know push back on it a little bit, I think it was this idea that we we make ourselves bigger, which is part of the performance. I just oh, I just yeah. found the, the way that he sort of used that analogy really fascinating to how maybe he saw the zone he got into to be
1: Mac Miller, the artist, you know? Well, yeah. And that's, yes, absolutely. I completely agree with you. And that's a, it's an interesting thing because Mac Miller's not his actual name, you know, his name is Malcolm McCormick. Uh, It's, it's not, uh, it's, it is a persona in the same way that like Slim Shady and Eminem are both personas separate personas, two different personas for Marshall Mathers, you know, that it is a character that they're playing Tyler, the creator is a character that he's playing. Um, And that happens a lot in the hip hop world, too. That's, that's a big part of rap music a lot of the time. It's very theatrical in those ways. Yeah, there's a lot of concept albums. Uh, uh, Dr. Dre, his, uh, he has an album that never came out that was supposed to be a musical basically. the, really there's a lot of yeah there's a lot of incredible uh storytelling in hip-hop music that is I, a lot of people like to say oh country music they tell such stories i think the same can be said of of rap music <laughs> and i don't have to live through the twang <laughs> <laughs> i'm kidding all
0: right well let's let's take um let's take a, a quick break and then we'll come back and we'll talk about the production and uh We'll come up with uh, a name for us Brian heads. I'm not sure what that should be, but we'll we'll come up with something. Like like like, we'll come Br- up with it. We'll be back
1: after this. Brianics. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when I think about circles, and I know we're just jumping in sorry but uh i love this album so much <laughs> yeah um, no no when i think about circles i think about uh, every single song has its own kind of tapestry i think about the song uh hands i think is the name of it yeah um yeah for me that song the or- orchestral nature of that tune is just out of this world um what he does what they do with those chords um and the loop, it's really, it's really magnificent. It's really incredible. It would hands be your your favorite? You, you know, I can't decide what my favorite song on this is, but I would probably put uh, the the song "Right" is probably my favorite. There's such a groove, groove and vibe, and so a groove, you know, both of them together. <laughs> um, there's such a groove and vibe and. Uh, uh, it the melancholy. There's something total about that song for me, mm. where the melancholy is certainly what he was trying to put out. That was the song he was trying to make, and um, it's just it's just really beautiful to listen to him. His voice was beautiful. He had such an incredible tone. And also, he didn't know how to use it. I guess, like they definitely, a lot of people talk about how he was scared to sing, and it's sad to mm. hear that because I love his voice so much, especially on that song. Right?
0: It felt like that lack of power or the uh, the the lack of the training. It, it gives such a, an intimacy to to the sound, and such a just such a directness. Like this is so obvious to say, but on some of the the videos that we can find online and there's this great twitch on um what was the one that we were sort of emailing about the track was um it's not complicated track three on the album blue world blue
1: world thank yeah. you yeah the the uh, the four uh the four tenors or who is the who are the the singers?
0: four kingsmen i want to say is mm. that the four the four freshmen for freshmen. Okay, so That's right. so we'll okay, so we'll jump into the story. So it was it, it was created with Guy Lawrence from Disclosure. Um, he, uh, he wrote the song the day before Mac came in, played it to Mac. He loved it. Uh, and uh, according to the story that Guy Lawrence tells on his Twitch, which you can find on his on his Facebook page, it's a wonderful. Check it's it's a
1: wonderful stream. It's a long stream, it's, but it's a wonderful stream. It really breaks it down.
0: It's so worth it, right? Because oh, yeah. when we get to the end, we 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 play. He plays this the sample of of the 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 lead vocal of Mac just without all the plugins. He just breaks them straight off. He's like, "Here it is," and you go, "That's phenomenal!" Like yeah. it's got so much energy. It's 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 not. He's not overperforming. He's just telling this this story, and he's you know just singing those those opening lyrics, and you just you're like, "Damn, man." <laughs>
1: He was, good. he was remarkably talented. Um and yeah, he's a, he's an immense loss, I think, for the music world in general, for for culture in general. Um, because I think he had so much more to make and say. And um yeah, it's really, really sad that he's gone. It's really sad.
0: So we're jumping around a little bit yeah, Let's sorry. Get back to uh to being <laughs> Brian Easter's,
1: I believe yeah, is what yeah, I'm like,
0: now calling it.
1: Uh, yeah, I'm, Brian East is Bryonics. Um, Bryonics is
0: way better. Well, is way I'm thinking better. Well, i Let's like, go with that. Lord
1: Byron's. So I'm thinking about like Byron, Byronic. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm thinking John Bryan, <laughs> Brionic. I don't know. My 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 brain is is wacky sometimes.
0: <laughs> uh, I mean, we got a laugh out of it. I I, I enjoyed it. Uh. <laughs> so. so John Bryan is the producer, as we've said. Uh, It's clear that they obviously had so much respect for each other. I mean, I'm gathering this particularly from the interviews that John Bryan has done since the records come out, and he's talking with.
1: That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So such a great, such a great interview.
0: And it's clear that he had so much. it was really important to him to to realize this in a manner that was based on the conversations that he'd had with Mac. And yeah. uh, I couldn't help the first time I'd, I'd heard it, just straight up cold, putting it on. I, I was like, I really feel like I know this universe. Like immediately, I felt yeah. like it sounds like something I'd felt before. I didn't know that John Bryan had done it. And it, it felt to me, I don't know if you had this experience, but it, it reminded me immediately of Magnolia, mm. that soundscape, and then kind of some Amy Mann stuff. Yeah. Was that just, do you think, a sonic thing? Like just just his palette, just that beautiful, man, the beautiful space and the sort of the sounds of some of those guitars and the synth sounds. I mean, they're also all through Mac's earlier stuff, so it's not just John Bryan.
1: Right. But, but well, Mac but played guitar. Me,
0: yeah, right, yeah.
1: So I, I think that was important, actually, in this one little video that uh, was released on Mac's channel, which is still kind of being up, up kept and and um, uh, they released like a behind the scenes of swimming in circles because they were recorded at the same time, a lot of the material. Um, yeah, right. And uh, Mac is playing guitar throughout it, and he played a lot of guitar on the record. He he played a lot of drums on the records. He he was a musician as well on the record. So that was cool. Um, yeah, no, I think the cool thing about John Bryan's influence on Mac is that that's where Mac wanted to go in the most beautiful way. Um, I mm. do think it's a John Bryan thing. I do think it is like that Magnolia feeling like yes, 100%. I get that. I, I like go there. Like when you said that in my heart, I was like, yes, oh my god. Um, I do think that he added a lot of voice to that. But I think that that because I well, it's important to actually also acknowledge that like Mac walked up to John Bryan at a party because he was such a big fan of his work uh, and mm. and and said, I believe I might be misquoting. I'm trying to not misquote, but you know, I'm not the people who experience this. So I'm probably going to misquote um, yeah. Mac said something along the lines of you probably wouldn't even think what I do is music. And John Bryan said something along the lines of, you know, Webster's got music down to two words, organized sound. And that was the beginning of their friendship. And I think that's a really interesting place for their collaboration and friendship to have started because I think they they understood what the music they were making together was on a molecular level, which is a collaboration the reason this album is so good is because both people. Matt, Mac, Mac knew that this album could be finished with John Brian finishing it, I think, you know, hmm. because they both were on the same exact wa- wavelength with it. I would say.
0: Do you have, um, a favorite film score by John Bryan?
1: Oh, eternal sunshine.
0: Yeah, right. You didn't even yeah. have to. You just had that locked and loaded. You didn't oh, have to think about. It. Well, that's yeah. one of my
1: favorite movies ever made. I think it's yeah, I right. think it's like a I think it's a masterpiece. And I think man, uh yeah, the performances, the the cinematography, the script, the it's just Kate Kaywan's really hair. I mean, it's yeah. got everything. Elijah Wood. If Elijah Wood's in a movie, <laughs> yeah, right, I'm in. Yeah. I'm in. <laughs> I love Elijah Wood. Uh so let's let's take
0: a a, a slight pivot. So yeah. we'll, let's jump back into to talking about some of the tracks. so we 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 talked about Blue world. Let's talk about we 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 talked a little bit about good news. Let's go back to that a little bit because they were the two big singles. I yeah. looked up before we got on. I'm gonna play a little game. Alex, let's see if you can guess I've got three questions for you. The first question is Uh-oh. how many streams do you think good news has had at the time oh. of us recording this conversation? Um, hmm, hmm, it's a dirty uh, question.
1: Posthumous, posthumous single is, is big though in terms of numbers, yeah. yeah it's, a big, million, it's a big number, 100 million Pardon? go up. Oh, 150 million, 212 million strange, 212. Oh my god, the New York area code. Um, yeah, that's uh, the, the, I'm pretty <laughs> sure it's they've
0: said cut it off, no
1: more money. Yeah, stop, We're happy stop with now, that. we stop it want it to New be York. New York. Yeah, and stopped it at New York. Blue <laughs> no World's one said had, that. Uh, no, yeah, no one said ever.
0: <laughs> Blue World has only had 116 million streams, which is pretty oh embarrassing. My, oh God! Yeah, I know, right? Yikes! If I were
1: Blue World, I'd be so embarrassed right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs>
0: His highest streaming song was "Weekend" with Miguel, yeah. which is 322 million streams.
1: Yeah, what an intre- uh, what a crazy song too. I, I
0: was surprised that he was ranked what is it 126th streamed artist in the world. Yeah. Now, I mean, this is just for me that's discovering his story, kind of secondhand and piecing these things together. That this thing that I kept seeing everywhere along the way was that he had this, um, he he had this constant sort of struggle with proving that he was kind of a legitimate artist it seemed Mm. and that seemed to be in a way this kind of great chip on his shoulder that he declared that i am gonna work harder and i'm gonna i'm gonna be the best and i'm gonna he seemed to me i didn't know mac and i'm just posturizing and there'll be a big disclaimer at the top of the episode which you've already sat through i don't know why i'm saying it again but (laughs) he just loved this music he loved music he loved creating it seemed to me so much and it just comes through in all of his music that he loved this art form, that he lived and breathed it, and didn't want to do anything else. And and I'm sure that can be a really isolating place.
1: Oh yeah, because
0: because well, he creating, locked himself
1: in his yeah he locked himself in his house for like a year and a half when he was making those nine records. You know, he didn't leave his house. Amazing. Which is which is honestly after the pandemic for us in New York and for us in America. I'm like. Uh, nine months, a year and a half. I mean, I could do it. We got this. <laughs> 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 gotta make, gotta, gotta stay inside. Okay. No. Um. Are you leaving isolation with nine records? Yeah. Well, no, uh, that's true. I guess <laughs> 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 I am leaving with, I am leaving with a few records though. I will say that I released a couple records through this, but, um, but nobody listened to them 212 million Time. Well, not yet, Alex. Not yet. Not yet. Come on. Um, we got time. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. No, you I know, mean, it is, yeah, is going. Well, no, I was just gonna say it is um it, it, it's he was incredibly driven. Um, because I think you can hear in his music, he was one of the best artists. He 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 yeah. he, he was creating at a high level. Um, and I think that uh it's sad to say this about most artists in general that are remarkable, but he was underappreciated in his time, I would say, even though he made the millions of dollars and and had the kind of, um, people recognized that he was good. Like people understood that he was an incredible artist. His songs, The Weeknd is a big one. Uh, Dang is a big, so- was a fun song. I remember when that one came out. Um, yeah. But uh, it is an interesting thing that I think in hindsight, he's going to have a bigger uh, effect on music going forward too, um, than even he had an understanding of in his lifetime.
0: There's a quote here that I found, which is from him. He says, uh, I think it was from Vultureside side. Or what, I'll, I'll put the, the, the link in the show notes. But he said, when I first started, I thought I was going to be the biggest thing in the world. There was this time when I was the most Google thing on the internet. It was like diet, carrots, and Mac Miller. uh, To be that huge, but that that loved and that kind of critically challenged is is so gutsy. Just so gutsy to just to keep to grow through being a a, you know. a teenager essentially start putting out this music and growing into it as you develop and, and you're putting out records that are being loved. And you, you know that you're striving towards your idols to be able to sit at that table, but it's, it's wow. It's braver than I could have been. That's to me. That's, it's amazing.
1: Yeah. I, I find his, I find his drive to be one of the most admirable things about him. And, and that, that, that's saying something because i think his music is admirable i think everything uh, there's a lot of things about him obviously not every single thing but a lot of things about him are admirable and um i think his drive really inspires me because you can see it in all of his music you could i i'm going to say something that might be might be controversial oh well, hold uh, on let uh-oh. me sit down uh-oh um i think you can feel uh in songs in in production in things when people are giving their 100%. I think you can feel in the writing of the song, in the foundation of the material. And I genuinely think if you start I I think if you start with Macadelic from from his Macadelic on, there's not a single track that does not have the care and attention of him giving his 100 percent 100 percent of his creativity and and being in his tracks and so just for that fact alone his discography has so many incredible moments of brilliance of just like shining through um absolute brilliance um i really think he gave I really think he gave himself to his music in a way that he, uh, that, that I, uh, really admire. Yeah.
0: Well, let's, let's take another quick break and we'll come back and, uh, let's talk about some of our favorite lyrics from the record. Oh yeah. Um, I got a couple of little quotes that I love and then we'll talk about kind of the accolades coming from the record and maybe some of his, his legacy. Absolutely. Time update: We're nearing midnight Australian time. What have you got, Alex? Oh god, nine
1: forty-three. Ooh, it's getting late. It's getting real late AM. (laughs)
0: Time to get ready for brunch. Oh yeah, brunch
1: baby. Oh yeah. Um, So let's
0: let's before we kick on, we were just having a conversation uh, off air, and we were getting deep into into the awesome weeds. Oh Uh, yeah. But Uh, let's let's start with where we left off. We said that we would. We would talk about some of our favorite lyrics or or, or some more or more of the music, and and we'll yeah. head back to where we kind of ended up there before. But oh, for sure, here's here's one of my favorites, and let's see if we can you know uh, go from here. It's yeah. on it's on hand me downs, oh. and it was one of the first lyrics that I was kind of like, dude, that's cool. That's 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 really clever. Now this oh, is yeah. just my opinion. I guess it's like electrolytes. You help me go the distance. I thought that was really great. Yeah. You know, oh it's not god. it's not terribly deep. I just thought it was really kind of um,
1: accurate. What's in your wallet? That's the that's the one where he he goes in a bunch of different catchphrases too. I'm thinking maybe I should thank you.
0: Oh baby, I should oh, I should buy you another round. I just I just love the opening of Hand Me Downs. Oh have, you got, god, have you got have you got a favorite lyric on the record? Well, you know, for me
1: <sighs> I think my favorite oh god, I know I said right is my favorite song. Maybe maybe right is one of my favorite lyrics too. the it's been a while since you've been here, like just starting from there. But I also want to give a little bit of a special shout out to the song. I can see Um,
0: Mm.
1: I. I. and now I know harmonically
0: it's interesting. Oh, yeah. it's
1: incredible. Um, and there's more, there's so much more to talk about specifically with this. But the 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 chorus of it, and now I know if life is but a dream, then so are we. Show me something, show me something. And now I know if life is but a dream, then so are we. Show me something, show me something so that I can see. Um, I just think that's a beautiful yearning, a beautiful concept. Um, that song. Do you, that's an interesting story. Do you want to talk? Do you do you know the story of how that one? Was, no, no. You lead in? us there because okay, I sweet. don't
0: think I know this story.
1: So uh, this is again from my obsessive like watching of interviews with John Bryan, but uh, yeah, they finished about eight or nine songs together. Finished, and uh, had uh-huh. made the bulk of this album together in the studio. Obviously, John Bryan okay. brought it a- across the finish line, but there were four three or four songs that he he had gotten a hard drive from Max family um and those three or four songs were blue world um uh uh god it was blue world it was let me get the names of the songs up uh jeez it was blue world it was definitely uh uh everybody cuz everybody uh-huh. is a cover um, of an old Ooh, song. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. Um, I can't remember who was the original artist, but it, everybody is a cover. Um, and uh, I Can See. I Can See was one of the ones. And that was a fully fleshed out song. And um, there, I'm going to misquote again because I'm not John Bryan, but um, he said something along the lines of, that song, when I heard it, it just made me cry because it was like, you could do this and you were hiding this from me. This, this was mm. all completely done by him. And John Bryan came and added some things, some textures to make it, you know, sound like the rest of the record. But Mac played those chords. Mac wrote though that harmonic structure. He, he did that all by himself. And the vocals in the background were on the track when John Bryan got it. So a lot of people think that's Ariana Grande singing wow. the backups. Yeah.
0: It, it this is the the thing with this record. It covers circles. It covers so many different genres. Like it's been described as hip hop, funk, emo, rap, soft rock, pop, RB, lo-fi, indie folk, synth pop. Like it's it almost feels really difficult to categorize like genuinely it's not very often that you listen to a record play it from start to finish and go i don't know what that is i don't know what this is it seems everything and it almost seems like over time perhaps he could have continued to develop something that may have been this mesh of all these different things like even even truer to maybe
1: some new genesis you know what i mean you know you mentioned an album earlier that this that gave me the same feeling which is the stranger um for me the first time i heard the stranger because i got to that album later uh than i would have liked to um it's an amazing record and the first time i heard it i i thought what is this this is everything this is everything put into one and uh what what you can do that a million different ways you can you can have an album that that can do all of these things but what's so successful is when it really comes through an artist's voice and and what's cool about circles in particular is like yeah there are a bunch of different songs that feel kind of like they don't necessarily all speak to each other but they speak to each other because it's mac because mac is our guide and our narrator and our our voice and um he makes the album the album you know and this is then
0: then why is it that with this mac miller album does it feel like it's is it that it feels like that this is different because this is what the great singing songwriters have done is put out these records that are not just this one song reinterpreted 10 times in a slightly different manner it's these are 10 songs or 9 songs or 8 songs that i've written that that are Worth putting into the world, you know, and this is what he's done on circles. I think. Why is it surprising then for a for, for a hip hop artist perhaps to to mesh all these different things together? Is it surprising because he's
1: a hip hop artist? Um, no, because because I think hip hop artists have been doing this for a long time. Actually, I think okay. I think that like Outcast did it. Mm. I think that mm. uh,
0: Tribe Called Quest.
1: Tribe Called Quest. Yeah, I think that. Um. I think Frank Ocean is putting out some incredible records that could be called hip hop records, could be called R and B records. John Bryan produced one of them. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I think it's Bryanista. Represent. <laughs> I will. I will say. I think it's. I. I do. I understand why it's surprising for Mac because I also think that again, what we're getting here is an evolution of Mac. He could have even gone further than we can even comprehend that Mm. he could have been making music by the end. That was really something, you know, that we can't even and obviously will never be able to hear because he's not here to give it to us. But um, I feel that uh, I feel that it's surprising because this was this was I know you can do all of those other things up until, you know, Divine Feminine, I would say okay, that's a that's a rap artist and then he decided to become a different kind of artist, I think, around mm. Divine Feminine. And by the time we get to Circles, he has gone e- in a, in an even different direction. I would say that Circles and Divine Feminine don't sound alike very much at all in some places, mm. but it's that kind of commitment to every project being a voice and everything being a a further explanation or exploration explanation.
0: All right. So let's talk through some of the accolades that have come for the album. Uh, Billboard named it number 16 in the top 50 best albums of 2020. Yeah. They also put it. It should
1: have been higher, but yeah.
0: Well, and then it was 16 on the best. Uh, twenty rap albums. So it was equal sixteen, mm. according to my copy and paste effort, effort here, which I'm hoping is accurate. So no, it was probably. sixteen on both the best fifty albums and then the best fifty rap, best twenty rap albums. That's that's pretty interesting that it's sixteen on both.
1: I yeah, that may I be mean, a
0: typo. I should check that.
1: It depends. Also, I'm I'm not sure. I I'm think this was a. I think that it's a, it's a record with rap on it. I'm not sure yeah. it's even a rap record at the end of the day. Um, he sings
0: more than he raps, for yeah, sure.
1: Yeah, and even then, I think the intention of the songs, even when there is rap, um, like Blue World, I think the intention of the songs are more melodic and more uh, songwriting than... And, and I'm not saying that rap isn't about songwriting. In a lot of places, it is. But I think you can also see on those kinds of best of the year lists, a bit of a, um, a bit of, um, of, a bit of homogenization when it comes to, uh, tastes and preferences, you kind of want to give a lot of, uh, a lot of nods to a lot of different places in the, the canon of where we're going in rap at, at any given time. And, you yeah. know, you know, because you've got like juice world who, sang more than he rapped or xxx tentacion who sang more than he rapped and um had well i guess that's not exactly true but you know there there's those kinds of artists that put out posthumous records all of those albums are posthumous i guess i would i would have put this record a little bit higher on those lists as much as as much as those are accolades and huge huge like obviously my record wasn't 16 On the, 12, you know what I mean? Stop me. Eleven. I would 10, put it in the top ten at least. Right? Uh, I okay. think that last year had some amazing albums. Phoebe Bridgers. Um, yeah. I I think this is going to stand the test of time. This record.
0: Well, it debuted at number three yeah. on the Billboard 20, 200. Sorry, not the Billboard 20. Uh, <laughs> less less records
1: this year than ever ever before. Uh, <laughs> Sure. It, uh, and it came it out in had, January before the pandemic really hit here.
0: Yeah. I wonder what impact that had on people well, listening to stuff. That's a that'd be an interesting thing to look at.
1: It did, it 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 hasn't um hit the same streams that like swimming has had, but that had a year to kind of garner yeah, yeah. that. I think um look. For me, this record helped me get through this pandemic because of how mm. melancholy, yet hopeful, yet beautiful and distinct and all these different things it is. And so um well hold
0: that thought. Let's yeah. talk about that more because I just wanna there's a couple more facts here. We've got the yeah. ten tracks from Circles simultaneously charted on the Billboard Hot Hundred in the first week. Wow. All ten simultaneously wow. charted on the Billboard Hot One Hundred.
1: That's amazing.
0: That that's amazing, right? Yeah. It peaked at number three in Australia on the ARIA charts, number three in the Canada Canadian album charts, and then number eight in the UK. All music gives it a rating of three and a half by the critics, and then the users give it four and a half. Yeah. Out of five. Yeah. Wow, All yeah,
1: music. Come on, man. Guys.
0: It, yeah, I know. I know. Come uh, on. It, it, it's, uh, I guess this, uh, even, you know, in his passing his music can be critically acclaimed, beloved, but the fans were maybe always going to love it a bit more than people that are critiquing it, perhaps.
1: That's good. That's good. That's I what be, you want, right? I guess, you know, on a certain level, as we've seen with Zack Snyder's Justice League, right? Um, yeah. Sometimes Which we're going to be talking about fans, at some point. Oh, for sure. Oh, my God. Um, sometimes the fans need to uh, appreciate the thing and it doesn't matter what people who are supposed to because because what what is a critic a critic is somebody who tells an audience what to like or what to engage with based on their opinion of it if it's bypassing if the art bypasses that process then more power to the art um, yeah and more power to the artist because on a certain level critics, the art of, crit- and this is a whole other conversation, but I do want to say that the art of criticism has distinctly changed in years with the internet and with all these different things. And there used to be a time in theater even where like Harold Klerman, the acclaimed director and a guy who, for which the Clerman theater is named after, he was, he was the top critic of his day as well. And people who yeah, wow. made the art used to be the critics as well, and I think that's an interesting thing to um, to keep in mind. That like a lot of the people who judge what Mac did don't make the art.
0: It's interesting, isn't it? Is that because we don't have time yeah. anymore? Yeah. Like everything is just now so sped up, and I mean, you barely have enough time to practice. You know, like it's because, you know, now it's, yeah, sure, you can spend a couple of hours on your instrument and then uh, do some writing. Yeah, okay. And then you got to make sure you eat, you got to hydrate, you got to make sure you talk to another human being at some point in the week, the month, the year, whatever it is. But then more important than all of that, is your social media
1: presence? Oh yeah, you know what I mean. I, this I, is
0: what this is. You know, it's it's you know this is the world we live in. But anyway,
1: I don't want to sound like an old boomer. No, no, no. I'm I'm sounding like an old boomer. I uh, I, I <laughs> back agree. in my
0: day, the critics were critics and the writers <laughs> were
1: critics. You know, yeah. I, and I'm not. I'm also not trying to I'll get off my soapbox in just a moment. No, no. <laughs> but I do. It is an interesting thing that, like, you know, Mac was good. Mac was Mac was great Mac Mm. Mac's artistry um, upended what the system is supposed to be in that process and I think that that's beautiful and worthwhile and worth celebrating and um, more power I hope to his estate to release those nine albums that he made to to release what he was proud of if he wanted it released you know.
0: Well, his his um, Spotify profile actually says in his about section. I just was looking at some stuff before, and uh, and it says that it is the first posthumous album. Yeah. So they're definitely.
1: They're gonna release. Gonna more put stuff, some probably. stuff
0: out. I mean, he's got thirteen, just that we know of from interviews. It yeah. sounds like sitting there, whether he would want them out or not. You know, obviously, I don't know, but
1: I think at this point, I do think that he would have wanted them out. If I try to contextualize myself in a situation like that, not that, not that you want to contextualize yourself in that situation, but I have. Yeah, of course. So with my fiance, I've had a discussion where I'm like, "Hey." If I pass away, especially with, with you know, pandemics in this world and weird things happening. Yeah, of course. I've had that conversation where I say, hey, if I pass away, exploit everything.
0: <laughs> the blue folder, yeah. not the red folder. The Definitely blue folder. not the red
1: folder. Don't look in that when you're not going to like what you see. Yeah, yeah just no. burn that directly. <laughs> burn that immediately. Put that in the trash. No, but I do. I did have that combo with her where it was like, look, I mean, I want. I want also like, I think collaboration in this world is really fun. And I want, once I write a song and everything, I want people to fuck with it. I want people to mess with it. And I think Mac did too. I think people, people like those kinds of things and like collaboration across the world and everything. And so, um, when I die, it's, it's everyone can have my shit, you know, (laughs) the
0: world will be, but a bunch of vultures on your artistic memory.
1: Yeah, please take it all. (laughs) <laughs> so
0: let's get to this our favorite uh stories kind of around Mac or or his career or his work. And there was one that we we're talking about before, before we sort of came back online about oh, yeah. Jay-Z. Do you yeah. want to tell us this story?
1: Oh yeah, just just that um Mac there was this one picture on his Instagram that I love that just I think is an example of him. Uh he, he had a picture of him in front of his wall that had his gold uh or maybe it was platinum uh, record for the song Dang. And then right underneath it, it was a, a framed poster of a tweet that Jay-Z put out there in response to someone being like, which rappers are the, are the coolest? And he said, uh, nobody's cool. Mac Miller, nice though. Um, <laughs> something like that. And, and he had that framed and put on his wall because that actually meant so much to him that Jay-Z said that he was nice. He was one of the nicest rappers. Everybody said that he was very, not nicest rappers. He was one of the nicest people. People said that he was a really kind, respectful and cool human being.
0: And it seemed even to me with seven days of living in his legacy, that he just loved music, man. He just loved, he just loved it. Like he lived it and breathed it and just was one of the real ones, you know? Like,
1: yeah, I mean, that's, uh, there's another anecdote, actually, that's that's interesting. I think it's not necessarily a story, but it's he had a reality show for two seasons called Mac Miller and the Most Dope uh, Crew. I think Most Dope. No, I'd heard
0: about this, but I don't know much about this story. He, I'd heard him mention this in an interview.
1: Yeah, yeah. So he he had this. He had, um, you know, it was about the crazy exploits of him and his family, his his fi- friends, his group of people, and. Um, you know, it featured his house, and he would just do crazy shit on camera and be fun. And he he mentioned a couple times that he stopped. He called it off. He was offered, you know, it got high ratings, and he was offered to come back, but um, he cut it off because he said um, he said uh, he got people coming up to him saying things like, "Oh man, you're Mac Miller from the TV show." And he said, yeah. I work too hard on this damn music for you to know me from the TV show. So he, he wanted to have his, identi- uh, his identity uh, be baked in with his music, with his art, with his creations, with what he cared about, which I think is beautiful, actually. Um, as you said, he had the opportunity to continue to be the most famous thing in the world. He was the third most Googled thing on the planet for for a time. And if he wanted to, he could have written Donald Trump, too. He could have written Mm -hmm. Melania. He could have written whatever he'd want to write as a song and gotten that kind of cash grab. But instead, he decided to dedicate himself to creating the best music possible, not the not the flashiest, not the uh, most cliche and not the ones that's going to play in the clubs constantly because I don't think you're ever going to hear the music from circles playing in a club it, it,
0: what carries on from this if we're talking about stories that kind of resonated to me was this one about when he signed with Warner he he t- told told some reporters that the whole idea of this was to build up kind of a legacy or to kind of um look I'm putting this in my words so once again everyone I'm sorry but it was kind Disclaimer. of that he yeah just, yeah yeah yeah. like he, he built this studio or his or in his place and just rappers were allowed to just come over and make stuff yeah and it wasn't an entrepreneurial thing i guess in the beginning it was more like an understanding of coming from seeing and, and understanding the form and and knowing the history and 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 what it takes to be able to 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 get in the studio and 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 have a, a budget that means you can come out with anything worthwhile, so his doors were like, doors are open. Come on in, make some stuff. Let's just make some music that 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 can live in the world. That says a lot about a, a person.
1: One thousand percent. And the respect that he got by working with those people, from those people, and and then the friendships that he fostered: Vince Staples, Earl Sweatshirt, those incredible artists that uh then permeated through his music it's like it it must have been such an incredible rewarding time to have those people in and out of his place and just making the best things they could think of you know
0: it's university forever
1: oh yeah oh (laughs) my god yes just inspired
0: and just around people that are just making stuff that inspires you and challenges you and excites you and and drives you, you know, as opposed to being in your own room practicing and going, "I really need to rewrite that bridge." I'll yeah. do it after lunch, you know. It's kind of
1: yeah. Uh, you know, it's interesting. It's the it's kind of the way that I feel because I mean, you know, we do our musical theater thing, um, and we're yeah. we're talking about the hip hop world, and that might be that might be weird as two musical theater people, but um, I mean, Hamilton's
0: li- closing the gap for
1: us, you know. Yeah, so. oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, so, but what I was what I was thinking is that like New York does feel like that for me when it's open, when we're, when we're doing it, it's almost like the, the latter is what has happened through this pandemic. But um, like having friends like Drew Gasparini and and Zach Zadek and Joe Iconis over to record on, like I have demos with like Zach playing keyboards on my stuff and Drew singing a part or, you know, it's, it is, it is a, a true gift to be able to, be with other artists that like you admire and respect and i'm sure that mac felt this kind of family i know i know he, he called his his crew the most dope family I, I know that he he created this vibe that is so uh, beautiful and it's it's yeah you see it you see it from schoolboy q you see his memory being honored by these people still and it's it's lovely Sorry, I just rambled. This is this is called Ramble City, though, right?
0: That's, we're opening the door to stream of consciousness, baby.
1: <laughs>
0: if you had to just kind of, I mean, we're kind of talking about this anyway, but is there anything else in terms of um, of his legacy you think that's going to live on? Um, I guess in terms of Circles, let's bring it back to Circles and, yeah. and it being a classic album. I mean, I think you've, you've turned me around. You've turned me onto this great record that... The first listen I had was was quite somber and and I kind of saw my own ideas about so many of the album's themes and they were just right at, right at, right in front of it and that's all I could see whether it was about heartache or regrets or you know choices that should have been taken about a multitude of things and I found it really quite heavy and then I went away and did some digging and started to understand more or just became a little intoxicated with the story of this man that I'd never met. And then by the end, I was kind of I, – I listened to the record and it felt like a bit of a celebration. Like I I don't know what the difference was. It just felt more optimistic.
1: I think it's and, both. Uh, I and can't,
0: I can't explain that because it did feel really heavy to me in the beginning. I was like, whoa, this is going to yeah. be deep. Oh, and then yeah. later, I was like, you know, the end of one day. I think it's called um,
1: once a day. Yeah,
0: once a day. Yeah, I was like, wow. Yeah. Okay. And just sort of take that little breath you have when you listen to something that sort of touches you. So, yeah. Cool. Okay. It was an amazing transformation. I was really surprised by it. So yeah, I agree with you. This is this is a classic. This is um yeah, this is a thing.
1: This is oh yeah. On. Oh yeah. You know. I, I think it's both things. I think I think that uh, the thing about Mac that will live on parallel to his records, I think, is the kindness. I think that the reason why so many people loved and supported him was because he was coming from the right place. You could tell that he had a good heart. and I think mm-hmm. that's what he was putting on full display on Circles, is his heart. Um, and... He was. He was not in a. He, he was not necessarily in the best place when he passed away. There were a lot of things that happened and a lot of um, things that I do not purport to understand. But I think that his legacy will be in his music and his kindness. And in this record, it's permeating. The, the there's there's something that you can just tell about the way. That he displayed himself creativ- cre- creatively. It, it really, um, yeah. I, I I I think that the album will live on, and it is it is definitely a thing, and it's a it's gonna be something that we show that we show people and say you can make something as beautiful as this someday. You know, I think it's yeah. gonna be something that we we point to. Um, and damn, I and wish Billboard you, had put it higher. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, if we know anything it's that time has yeah. an effect on everything and 100%. we start to see it differently and I mean for me it's just been 7 days. I mean I can't <laughs> imagine what's going to be when I've had a fortnight oh, to digest this this stuff. Um but thanks so much for bringing it into my life man. Like I I uh, it's uh I don't know what rock I was living under that I didn't know this third most Googled man
1: on the planet, but... Uh, <laughs> only for a time though, only for a time. He turned it around. He became less Googled. He became less Googled. <laughs> I mean, I
0: knew of diet. I knew of carrots. I just didn't know of Mac Miller.
1: Right, true, true. Thank you so much for inviting me on here, by the way. I'm, I'm hey, honored no, to back, be... Hey, come back, please. Honored to be talking about this incredible record.
0: This has been Ramble City a podcast of conversations with interesting people musing on art, life and their careers. Created and produced by Old Fashioned Media. To hear more and discover additional material from today's episode, visit OFM.com.